Well, today I'm going to talk about, I'm going to start a series called Lawless Living. Everybody say lawless. Lawless living. So I want, before I do that, I want to throw up a couple of slides. So if you could, Haley, throw up that slide. I think uh, Matt had asked about uh, a particular one. Let's see if we can find that one. In the song that we sang, this last song, there was a line in there. In fact, we're going to use the next couple of lines as well. But it says, I reconcile former things. I want everybody to say this with me. I reconcile, I reconcile. former things. Those are, that's those things that are behind us. But I reconcile former things to see beyond the things of old. If we do not reconcile those things that are behind us, that is all we will ever see. Let me bring it into real world terms. Um, I'm a big proponent of reconciling a checkbook if you still have one. Um, you reconcile your accounts, your financial accounts. If you do not reconcile your financial accounts, all you will ever see is the trouble your finances are in. That's all you'll ever see. Because all that will be on your mind is, I don't know how much money I have. I don't know where it is. I don't know how it all plays out. I don't know which checks have cleared. I don't know what my balance is right now. So that's all you're ever going to see. You're never going to see beyond those things without reconciling. But the moment you begin to reconcile it, you can see past it. You can see what the potential is for the future. Oh, I had some funds left over. So now this is before me. I have the opportunity to do something different. So when we reconcile former things, it enables us to see beyond the things of old. Go to the next slide, please. Then it says, you remove my reference point. Father, you remove my reference point. Ancient things are made new. You remove my reference point, what I have always viewed as the place. You've removed that so that those ancient things that I, I no longer look at now become new. They take on the true meaning of their original purpose. Does that make sense? It will in a minute if it doesn't now. So let's talk about the circumstances. And today we begin this series reviewing, looking at, observing, uh, pondering, considering what it means to live lawlessly within Adam's nature and what it means to live lawlessly within Christ's nature. I said this morning to the uh, ministry team before we came out, we always pray, we always gather, we always share. Some of my most awesome times, I love to hear what they come, they come in here with. They're always prepared, always ready, always hearing, and they pour out, and really we could have an hour back there before we even come out here. But I said this morning to the team, I said, do you know, I believe it's going to be a while before we get away from the two Adams, Adam 1, Adam 2, first Adam, second Adam, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We're going to be dancing around that for a long time because that is the beginning. And I use this analogy and I said to them, I said, if we think about all of the life that has occurred since Adam with the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the choice to participate or stand under the shadow of one or the other. From the time in the beginning when Adam and Eve were and made the decision that they made until now, a lot of life has happened in you and in me and the world and people we've met and haven't. A lot of life has happened. But what happens generally 
And if you can, if I can share and say to you clearly what I see in my mind's eye so clearly, this will help. What we often do is this much space has passed. Here's the beginning. Here's where we are. And what we often try to do is go back a little bit and correct it here and then try to get it right going forward. Well, I've used this analogy that I did not come up with. Someone else gave it to me years ago. But I've used the analogy, if I were buttoning this shirt this morning, and I got the, I start at the top, but if I but were buttoning this shirt this morning, and I got this button in the wrong hole, every other button would be in the wrong hole. And I would get to the bottom, and my shirt would be like this, or this, whichever way. It would be out, it would be out of kilter. So the only way to correct that, I could not go back to this button and simply put it in another hole because any other hole is already going to be full. The only way to correct the way the shirt was created to be worn would be to go all the way back to the top button, completely undo it, put the, buttons in the, right, the button in the right hole, and then everything after that would be in line. And as I think of that analogy, and I think about what we try to do as sons and daughters of God, is what we try to do too often is we, we try to correct things that are out of order in our life simply by going back a season, one buttonhole, or maybe two buttonholes. Even if it's a 10-button shirt and we go back nine buttons and start over again, we're still going to have nine incorrectly buttoned holes. Are you tracking with me? But if we go all the way back to where the, to the garden, to the original intent and purpose of God for us, where there were two trees, two opportunities, two shadows that were present and available to you and me, and if we go all the way back to the beginning, just because the first Adam got it wrong, the second Adam made it right. He gave us access to again return to the original intent. So it doesn't do us any good to go back five buttons. We've got to go back all ten buttons, and we've got to get back to this place so that we can correct it. So I want to talk about the circumstances today about lawless living. Something was said a couple of few weeks ago, a month ago maybe, a few weeks ago, in our meeting again in the back, and I refer to our meetings back there often because every week something amazing comes out of those times and those moments that we have back there. But uh, Tim Carney asked me a question about, and I don't remember exactly what the question was, but he said something about lawlessness. And many times uh, in, in ministry, in my ministry life, my ministry world, I've thought about what lawlessness really is and how do you define lawlessness. And I've never really addressed it. I've never talked about it publicly, maybe with my wife a few times, but outside of that or with some of you maybe individually, but never corporately have I ever talked about uh, lawlessness. And I said to Tim, I said, and I, again, I don't remember what his question or comment was exactly, but it was related to lawlessness. And I said to Tim, I said, well, whatever it was he said, that would be true if lawlessness were defined only the way you describe it. But I believe the truth is we were born to be lawless. Amen. 
But see, our reference point is that we define lawless so sinfully that it's difficult for us to see it righteously. Let me say it again. We define lawlessness so sinfully because that's our reference point. That it is difficult for us to see lawlessness righteously through the eyes of righteousness. Are you seeing this with me this morning? So, what are the circumstances? We're going to talk about this, but what are the circumstances for each way of life? Living lawlessly within Adam's nature or living lawlessly, lawlessly within Christ's nature? I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm going to ask you to define this in your own way. I'm going to ask you two questions, actually. First question Are the problems, this is for you individually, you don't have to say it out loud, but would you say, let me just ask it this way, the way I wrote it, are the problems in the world today because there's just so much sin or that there's just so little vision for life? Are the problems obvious, apparent, Are we visually aware of all the troubles in the world because there is just that much trouble? Or is it because there is just so little vision for life? Most of us see what we see. Close my eyes, I open my eyes, I see everything around me. Most of us see what we see through the prism of sin and the need to correct the sin. The world is always going to give us a sin nature. That's what it will always serve on the platter. When it, if the world were your waiter and the world came to your table, it wouldn't ask you what you wanted for dinner. It's not up to you. The world on that platter would present to you a plate of lawlessness through the nature of Adam. This is what I present to you. There is hatred, there is divisiveness, there is anger, there is adultery, there is yada, 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 alcoholism, drug addiction, there is everything. The world would give you all of this, and that's what you, when you think of the world, that's what you see. Because most of us see through that prism of sin. When we shut our eyes and we open our eyes, we say, oh my gosh, this is wrong. Oh, that's bad. Oh, this is, ah, that's just hate. That's just this. That's just that. Rather than seeing through the prism of righteousness. This exists, but beyond that, listen to me. No matter what the sin, righteousness is always bigger. No matter what the evil, 
The anointing of God is always bigger. So when I say the word lawlessness, what is the definition that comes to mind for you? Lawless. Lawlessness. What's your thoughts? Now you're trying to decide (laughs) because of everything else I said. But when I say lawlessness, what is the definition that comes to mind? If you define lawlessness as wrong, it is because your mind leans towards that sin consciousness, which most of ours, would, that would be true. If you define it as good, it's because your mind lead, leans towards a redeemed consciousness. Our minds are going to fall on what we think was accounted for, to us. I mean, how many people do you know that might have even gotten up this morning and already said, oh, it's just going to happen. It's just this. I just expect this is what's going to be. It's going to be bad. It's not going to be good. There's no way today can be good because I know what's supposed to be in the middle of it. I'm going to tell you where your mind is leaning. It's on a sin consciousness. It's on that fact that the world has presented you a dinner plate and you've chosen to eat that. What if you say, I see beyond the waiter. I see the owner of the restaurant. There might be a few bad employees in the restaurant, but the owner of the restaurant is righteous. His name is Yahweh. Let's talk about these things today. Let me ask you this one more question. Have you ever considered that it is actually God's design and will for you and me to live a lawless life? You've considered it and might not have even known you've considered it because you've read all the scriptures, because they've all been quoted to you. I've probably read them to you. I'm going to read them to you today, a couple of them. But you've considered it. But if you think about it, it literally is the purpose of God for you and me to live a lawless life. But when we define lawless, we need to be careful how we define lawlessness. There's two ways to define that, and that's what we're going to dive into. These are the circumstances of our interpretation of lawlessness. And this is what I'm going to help you understand today. And I hope today that by the time I conclude what I have to say and what Holy Spirit has given me, that I change your interpretation of lawlessness so that you can stop every time you open your eyes looking at the sinful side and stand under the shadow of the wrong tree and get under the shadow of the right tree and become a lawless man or a lawless woman for all of the righteous reasons. So let's begin in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to read this verse out of the New King James Version. There's a lot of meaning in this scripture. If you dive into it in the, in the Greek, there's a lot of uh, deeper meaning uh, to this scripture. I'm not going to try to do all that, dig all that up today, but for those of you that enjoy that, dive into this and you're going to find out that it says so many other things than what you read at first glance. But this is what it says. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everybody say, the law law. is a curse. And Christ redeemed us. Say it. And Christ redeemed me. Let's make it personal. Say, Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He took the law upon him. Remember, he was a second Adam. The second Adam restored again what the first Adam forfeited. The first Adam forfeited lawless living for righteousness sake. 
and embraced lawless living for sinful sin's sake. He brought in a counterfeit to supplant the genuine. So, say it again. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So, when, I, when you think about this, and again, the definition of lawless is very skewed depending on which tree you stand under the shadow of. It's very skewed. Depends on where I want to stand. If I stand under the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, or the tree of the knowledge of... <laughs> that's a lot of words. Why, why was it such a long name? If I stand under that tree with a wrong shadow, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There, I got it right. If I stand under that tree... And I choose to pitch my tent under that tree. We've talked about this. But I, we're going to talk about it a lot more. I choose to pitch my tent under the shadow of that tree. Everything I see is going to be based on what that shadow casts upon my mind. What the light of that shadow casts upon my heart. What it casts upon my ability to have revelation of what it is that the Father wants to do. Are you tracking with me? So if I choose to stand under that, I'm always going to see lawless as an evil deed. I'm going to see the deed that lawlessness is. I'm going to see the natural thing that lawlessness is if I stand under that tree. And I want to talk about that. So under the shadow of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lawlessness is of Adam's nature and always leads to death. If you're not using the Bible app, I encourage you to use it right now. If you open it up and you use it, you can follow along with me. But under the shadow of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lawlessness is Adam's nature and leads to death. These lawless things that are of Adam's nature are lawless deeds, which are different than the kind of lawlessness we have been created for. So let's talk about these. First of all, lawless deeds are the choices that you and I make that are opposed to the will of God. Those are lawless deeds. They're not part. That was my wife. Lawless deeds are the choices we make that are opposed to the will and purpose of God. They are not part, everybody say lawless deeds, deeds. are not part part. of God's original intent for us. But they are, don't say this, they are a result of living under the shadow of the wrong tree. And lawless deeds, you do need to say this, say this with me, lawless deeds... Require forgiveness. Lawless deeds require forgiveness. Let me help you see that with a full view. The first Adam sinned. He embraced lawlessness in the form of evil. He became very sin conscious. He became very sin and evil aware. Instead of being Heavenly aware, he became very sinfully aware. Lawlessness took on a different form because law was not the original intent. Took on a different form. Then the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came and he died for you and me. Now, when Jesus died for us, let me ask you the question, just nod your head. 
Did he die? Did his dying alone redeem you? Yes, no. No. His dying alone did not redeem you. What was required of you to receive the redeeming power of his dying? Repentance. I'm going to acknowledge that you are the Son of God and that only you could die. And then restore again the original intent, that original lawlessness. You would redeem lawless, the reference point of lawlessness I have right now for the proper vision of lawlessness that you intended from the very beginning. I'm repenting and you are redeeming. So lawless deeds require forgiveness to restore us back to that original intent. You, do you see that picture? Lawless deeds are those things that we do in opposition to the will and the purpose of God. And I'm going to tell you today that part of us exists. There are lawless deeds that are in us, but it, and it requires forgiveness. It requires that you and I repent. I can tell you it's not likely that anybody in this room or watching online today did not in some way violate a law somewhere this week. If I started pointing out the simple things that we do to violate very simple laws that are really meant to keep honest people honest, we would surprise ourselves at how comfortable we have becoming at breaking law. So before we point our finger at Adam and say, why was it so easy for you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and st instead of standing under the shadow of the tree of life? We need to ask ourselves, when was the last time we violated the speed limit even by a fraction of a mile an hour? Why was it so easy or why is it so easy for you to justify that? Breaking the law is breaking the law is breaking the law. It doesn't matter what measure you break the law in. Once it is broken, you cannot say, I only broke it by a half a mile an hour, therefore I can glue it back together again and no one will know. Once broken, it is not fixed without repentance. How many in the world that we live in right now have walked around in a, considering COVID-19, have been in a county that requires a face mask, and yet you refuse to wear it believing, I'm not going to do that because I have power. Nobody's going to decide for me, yet it's the law. But we somehow justify these things because we in our mind believe this is lawless. This is the sinful side of the nature of Adam. We in our minds, and if anybody wants to know, do you have any Adam in you? If you have done any of what I've just spoken of, he was just revealed. You just saw his face. This is not being ugly. This is just helping you understand what you're dealing with and what I'm dealing with. I'm a, well, let me just say, let me do it this way. Let me talk about you because it's so much easier. <laughs> 
But when we go out and when we do the things that we do, it's really easy for us to justify these simple things because in our mind we think, who's it going to hurt? It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to, is it really going to change anything if I drive a half a mile an hour over the speed limit? Is it really going to change anything? And, and you could come up with 20 different examples of the ways that you're breaking the law on a regular basis that really you've done it so many times, you don't even think it's breaking the law anymore. I would say that after Adam ate the first piece of fruit off the tree, when he went back for the second one, it didn't feel the same as the first. It felt like he was supposed to do it. The first one, there was some reluctance, but the second one, it was, this is here for me. Why wouldn't I? The fruit is on the tree. These are lawless deeds. These are pictures of the presence of the first Adam that remains in you and me. Can we change these things? I believe that we can. But this is what I believe about it. We have to change our reference point. As soon as, and I, what I would like to say is that I believe after I preach this message today that when people pull out of here, and I'm just going to use these examples that I've used already, but when we pull out of the church today, if the speed limit says 45, we do not exceed that, not even by an iota. I would like to believe that. I would like to believe that when you pull out of here today and you get in your vehicle, no matter where you are, and even if you think no one else is around, you do not pick up your phone and check those texts or send a message to someone. I would like to believe that that is what's going to happen today because 99% of you broke that rule already today. I would like to believe that when you go out of here and an opportunity is present, something that had become normal and somehow suddenly, oh, it's not really lawless because everybody's driving this fast or everybody's doing this or everybody's doing that. Well, if everybody would do it righteously, I wonder what that would look like. Is anybody tracking with me? Oh, I thought you were texting and coming to strike hands with me. <laughs> She's like, it was me! <laughs> so each of those things identify a little bit of those lawless deeds. Those are the things that we do that are opposed to the will and the purpose of God. And someone might say, it's, is it really the will and the purpose of God if it says 45 miles an hour that I do 45 miles an hour? And I'm going to stick with this thing because I'm showing you the simplicity, how simple it is to break the law. And if you can break the law in that way, lawless, lawless righteously living lawlessly cannot happen. We can never engage a lawless life righteously as long as we are breaking laws naturally. I'm just telling you what it is. And let me help you understand again. Remember the original intent, intent, Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve? I know it's hard. It's like pulling teeth to ask people, can we just live by the rules? No, 
I'm driving 10 miles an hour over because it's important to me. But remember, the original intent, Adam and Eve, I'm, I hope I'm not making anybody upset this morning. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you understand something. But if we change our perspective, see, because we have a, because our natural intent is to fall back on Adam, it's natural to fall back on that lawless deed living, lawlessness as it pertains naturally. It's so easy to fall back on that, that we justify all these things and exclude them from what really breaking the law is. We exclude them from that place. And when we do that, we do what Adam did. See, the moment Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the life now became off limits. <laughs> Remember, before he ate that, he stood under the shadow of the tree of life. There was no dying. There was no pain. There were no laws. There was no need for laws. There was no suffering. There was, he owned everything. Everything that belonged to God belonged to Adam. Remember? But the moment he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life no longer belonged to him. He couldn't stand under the shadow of that, and redemption was necessary for him to be able to do that. He had to redeem that natural lawlessness. He had to give those deeds to the Father, to Christ. Christ became the curse. He said, okay, the first Adam, I'm giving this to Christ. Christ came and took that curse. He took that curse from you and from me so that we could then live lawlessly in a righteous way. But for any of us that believe, we, why do we need these laws? We don't need some of these laws. These laws are ridiculous. I can do all these things and I don't need... Well, you need those laws because you've not yet even demonstrated that you can live by a single one. You can't even drive the speed limit. So it's proven. We've shown the Father. You can't trust us to live by Caesar's laws. Why would you think we'll live by yours? Am I digging a little bit? Is it getting anywhere? And why am I doing this today? Because, listen, the next part of this series, oh man, get ready. Because I believe we have access to places that we are not accessing today because we forfeit those places in the same way Adam forfeited the tree of life because he was so caught up in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I can do it my way. He forfeited what was available to him. And I believe as the kingdom of God, we are forfeiting things that belong to us because we can't put away lawless deeds. And until we put away lawless deeds, the natural side, we will never embrace lawless things of the spirit. We will never know what it is to live lawlessly as long as we need laws just to keep us going 45 miles an hour. I hope you're tracking with me. So in Romans 4, 7, chapter 4, verse 7, he said, blessed are those, <laughs> blessed, I'm going to bless those, I'm going to read a little differently. Let me read it the way it's written and then let me read it a little different. It says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. In other words, let me read it this way. The Father saying, I'm going to bless everyone whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. I'm going to bless them and I'm going to make it possible for them to live lawlessly. They don't require law anymore 
Because they're no longer conscious of the sin, they're aware of the righteousness that is available to them. If you could get a picture of what life would be like past driving faster than the speed limit. If you could get a picture of what the Father wants to release to us, but first we got to come under what we're subject to. If you could get a picture of what he's made available to us, I can tell you today, and your reference point changed. Changed. Oh, man. There'd be no question. You'd walk out of here and you'd say, there is no chance. And you might do that now simply because of what I'm saying to you today. But I hope you do it because you get a revelation of what I'm talking about today, not because you heard what I said today. I hope that Holy Spirit digs and buries deep within the soil of your heart. I hope he buries everything that I'm saying to you today so that when you walk out of here, you ask him, Father, I I repent. Forgive me. I'm not going to take it upon myself to decide this law isn't as important as another one because I I do it safe anyway. I'm going to come under this thing and I'm going to allow the lawlessness of righteousness to prevail in my life. He said, I will bless those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. He wants to do this. Once we say, Father, forgive me, I recognize today that I have allowed lawless deeds to remain in me even though I've asked you and I've walked with you and I've asked you to forgive me, yet there's a portion of me, an Adam, that keeps rising up and says, drive faster. Text now. Even though there's a part of me, that Adam keeps rising up and encouraging me, do this, do that. Who's watching? It's the same thing the serpent did to Adam. You want to know what's going to happen? Eat the fruit. Who's it going to hurt, Adam? It's that same voice that you and I hear. Who's going to know? Mm-hmm. He said, I want to bless those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. He said, I want, what I want to do is I want to take all of those things and I want to wipe them away because there is a lawless life I want you to enter into that isn't lawless based on natural. It's lawless of the spirit. It's lawlessness of the spiritual realm. It's where no laws exist. There's no longer a need for law. Because when you live righteously, you don't even have to. It's like I said earlier, it should have been the kingdom that came up with a mask idea or the distance idea. When you live righteously and when we come into that place where our reference point has been shifted and we look back to the beginning, I can stand under the shadow of the tree of life or under the shadow of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and I choose to stand under the shadow of the tree of life and I stand there and I'm beginning to see what righteousness looks like. I can tell you that all all the laws and everything that's necessary and all the things that would be accounted to you and me in the natural will fall into place under the tree of life. No one will have to enforce. Nothing requires enforcing under the shadow of the tree of life. People want no police today? I want to tell you the best way to get rid of police. We live righteously. There was no need of security guards or armed guards around the tree of life. But they were needed around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the knowledge of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil reveals to us truths and lies. It exposes hatred and discord. But the tree of life points you to a lawless way of life that in every way reflects the Father. 
You don't get caught up in what each fruit represents on the other tree. So the first one is the lawless deeds. That's that natural side. And then there's the lawless life, the way that we live lawlessly, righteously. So under the shadow of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lawlessness is of Adam's nature, and it always leads to death. But under the tree of life, lawlessness is of Yahweh's nature, and it is a vision for life. Remember, I started in the beginning, and I said that there are, there's a reason. Let me, in fact, let me read it exactly like I said it. Are the, I asked the question, are the problems of the world because there's just so much sin or that there's just so little vision for life? If I look at this from an Adam standpoint, I look at this because I see sin. We have all these problems because this person hates that person, this person's a different color than that person, this person makes more money than that person, this person does this, this person does that, this group of people, that, and it always revolves around people. That's the vision of sin. But if I have a vision for life and I get up in the middle of the circumstances that we have today and I look around me and I stop trying to look at all of the consequences of sin and I look at the opportunities of lawless living righteously, how can I change this? How can I make a difference without holding a sign or without going to a march or without yelling things at people. How can I make a difference? I make a difference not because I hold something up, but because I speak life to the person beside me and I speak life and I raise my son and I raise my daughter to see things. And it's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to happen over generations. And we keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for these things to happen. But I'm telling you, as long as we live with a vision of sin instead of a vision of life, We're going to keep reminding ourselves of how much sin actually exists and how much Adam is actually in us. But what happens when I begin to see, man, you know what? There might be a little bit of Adam there, but there's more God in me than there is Adam. And I'm going to begin to focus on that life. I'm going to begin to focus on the hopes and I'm going to focus on the dream and I'm going to focus on the purposes that God has called me to. And in the middle of that, I'm going to change all of that other stuff and I'm going to let the righteousness of God, the lawlessness of righteousness supplant the lawlessness of Adam in me and in you. So, I want to read Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 in the New American Standard Bible reads like this. says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things. Wow. <laughs> See? Wow. Law of a sinful nature. It's only a shadow. It can never, doesn't matter how many laws are written. I said this a couple weeks ago. Laws do not change man's heart. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the form of things, it can never, everybody say can never, By the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. Doesn't matter how many people come under that natural law, they will never be perfected because of that law because never has a natural law changed the heart of a man. Never. An honest man is going to be honest always. And a dishonest man is always going to be dishonest. 
For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and it does not have the very form of things, will never, can never, can never, not only will never, it cannot, cannot by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. doesn't matter what, how you try to change it in the natural without the Spirit of God, there is no hope. There's no hope. But with God there is. And we have Him. And we have access to Him. And every person watching online has access to Him. Every person under the sound of my voice today, if you're listening by audio on the podcast, you have access to Him. There's not one person that is living today. Not one person breathing today. Not one person alive. Not one person that got up this morning and will go to bed tonight. Not one single person that is walking on the place, the, this planet Earth. Not one single person living in a space station somewhere out there beyond where we are today. There's not a single person that does not have access to the Father and the ability to live a righteous, a law lawless, righteous life, and then change the lawlessness of Adam's nature that exists around us today. So my wife and I, for about two years, a little over two years, have been on this plan called, um, it's Optavia, it's called Optavia. And it's a health plan, it's an eating plan, it helps us lose weight, helps us maintain our weight, helps us stay healthy, and some of you, many of you have, uh, are, have done it and are doing it now. But it just helps us to maintain that. And to stay fit and the best that we possibly can. And it's a well thought out plan. And again, we've been on this thing for over two years and are still on it and I intend to remain on it. But this is what I found out about this thing. With the people that I've met and the people that I've known, uh, we have known even in the two years, some that you know, some that you don't. But I've known some who have been on this, a similar plan to us and they had great results in the beginning. But then because it's not, the le- it's not a, an inexpensive op- option. It's not inexpensive. But because of that, they've found other alternatives. Different ones have found other alternatives. Some of our friends have gone to uh, bars from Sam's Club and bars from Walmart and bars from this place and bars from online. And they've thought, and there's a lot of these things, you know, and everything's 110 calories. And every one of those people without fail are bigger now than they were when they were on the plan. Because 110 calories here is not the same as 110 calories there. What people do not understand is substitutes and counterfeits do not make for the genuine. What I know is when something works, whether natural, spiritual, Nothing in the natural happened without a spiritual ignition. Scripture says first the natural, then the spiritual. So everything, every idea, even if it is at some point converted into something that is evil, it began with righteous intent. Even the tree of the knowledge of good and evil began with righteous intent. The righteous intent was I, the Father created man. Why did He create us? To worship Him. Is that true? He wanted us to rule and reign over an earth. He created us for that purpose. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it even had righteous intent. And the righteous intent was to reveal that man wanted God more than they wanted to be God. They wanted Him more than they wanted to be Him. And depending on which tree they chose, decided, determined where the pride lay. So in this, not all calories are the same. So some of our friends that have 
have tried other things. They have called us, and I remember sitting with some of my friends not too long ago, and, and they were showing us some of the bars uh, that they had tried, and they said, well, see, it's all the same calories, it's all the same this, it's all the same that, and, and, um, and I'm just listening to them, nodding my head all the while, watching as they are 20 pounds heavier than they were when they were on the proper plan and, and everything else, and they were very happy about that, and that's fine if they wanted to do that. But if you're wanting to stay in shape and you're wanting to do these things, there's a reason that this plan does it this way. Because it was well thought out. It was well thought out. It was proven. It is proven. So I watched as they begin to do these things. And then I've had other friends that have stopped doing it. And they said, well, you know, I'm just going to watch my calories because I want to, if, I, if this, this thing is 110 calories, if I just eat 110 calories, I'm going to tell you 110 calories here is not the same as 110 calories there. There's a cake that I love. It's called vegetable cake. Well, some people call it carrot cake. But it's one of my cheats. So I get this cheat. And it's by Publix. And it's the best vegetable cake you'll ever... I say vegetable. It's like I used to pray when I would eat a hamburger. Father, let this, ham, let this pass through my lips like a hamburger, but hit my stomach like a salad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was lawless Adam. I need to repent of that. But there's this slice of cake, and you can't buy the whole cake because they don't make the whole thing. It's the slice. You got to get, I'm, I'm not even going to tell you. I have no self-control. That is my tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I have failed. I failed last night. <laughs> and what's even worse is when I fail, I fail really bad because I try to find the biggest piece. I'm just being honest. So I moved this one out of the way and that one out of the way. By the time I'm done, they're like, sir, would you just leave this? Walk away. Step aside. <laughs> Step aside. But just that one slice of cake has 850 calories. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> Vegetables, those are high-calorie veggies right there, man. I don't know where they get those carrots, but man, they're good. <laughs> Cream cheese frosting, it all starts from a natural process. But calories are not calories are not calories. And if I were to do that vegetable cake every single day, I would look today like I did two and a half years ago. I would be 20-something pounds heavier than I am now. I know that's not a lot to somebody, but to me, on my frame, 20-something pounds is a lot. And I wouldn't wear skinny jeans. Because <laughs> it's just not possible. wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> Or, and I can eat 150 calories worth of that vegetable cake a day, or I can eat spread out over the day my 850 calories of the bars and the healthy stuff that I eat in this plan that my wife and I have been on, and I can stay on that plan, and I can tell you what those 850 calories will do is so much different than what 850 calories of veggie cake will do. Are you tracking with me? 
So calories are not calories are not calories in the same way that lawlessness is not lawlessness. It's very different. So lawlessness cannot be measured. Lawlessness, lawless deeds cannot be measured by the same rule as lawless living. Lawlessness in the natural cannot be measured by the same rule as lawlessness in the spirit. One measure is of death, and one measure, one rule, is of life. Our perfect, say this with me, our perfect and created nature is one that is full of life Without the requirement of laws to enable it. Hmm. Your destiny, your created purpose, was to live a lawless life. A life without the need for laws. And if you wonder if you need law, you might think, I don't need laws to live. Well, you do, because I pointed out how many you break in a simple week. That's the ones I pointed out. I don't even know how many you were running through your mind and slouching down in your chair for. But how many of those things? But see, when we change our reference point, we can't just unbutton the, the one button down here and correct the rest of them. People, we got to go back. We got to go back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, and we got to move, move our position. We got to get under the right, right shadow. So, see, our natural tendency is when we hear the word lawlessness, it's bad. That's bad. What about when we get to the point where we say, Man, I'm a lawless man, and somebody says, Yes! You're rejoicing? Yes. Because you don't require laws to live a righteous life. You don't require some body or institution to decide for you how to live a righteous life. But you live righteously because it's in you. You changed your reference point. I want to read this morning something uh, my son-in-law on September the 20th, he will be my son-in-law. But he sent something to my daughter who then sent it to me. Sam, I have it. He said, Kaylee, I love you so... No, that's the wrong one. No, I'm just kidding. He said, say you get invited to someone's home and when you walk in, they're cooking. And when you smell the food, your mouth, your mouth starts watering. It's the best smell you've ever encountered. Now you and all the other guests are sitting at the table and the host comes in and he says, the food is finally ready. Get your plate, come to the kitchen, take as much as you want. I've made plenty for everyone to be stuffed. Now what would you do? Would you get up and leave because your plate isn't already full? Would you sit there and wait for someone to bring you a plate? Would you ask the host to make your plate for you? Of course not. You would go to the kitchen and pile food on your plate and go back to the table to eat until you can't take another bite. The kingdom is like this. Yahweh has prepared a life for you full of, pur- uh, full of purpose and joy. All you have to do is receive it. You can't sit back and let someone else make your choices or live for you. You can't even let Yahweh make all your decisions and live your life. He doesn't want to live your life. 
He created you to live your own with him in it. And it would be foolish to turn that down for a life of sorrow and lack of fulfillment. So get your plate and pile it high. Receive the invitation and live life to the absolute fullest, just like he created you to live and just like you agreed to live before you were ever wrapped in flesh. Accept that you have a purpose greater than you could ever imagine. Forget everything you know and hold on to this. The Father loves you and wants you to live your very best life. He's offering it to you with only one cost. Be willing to sacrifice and give up everything you have in order to receive whatever he's trying to lead you to. Well said. So in light of this, I'm wrapping, I close with this. We have an option. We'll dive into this more next week. There are circumstances to lawless lawless living. I cannot walk in this one as long as every time I open my eyes, I'm conscious of this one. If I'm going to say, forgive me, and listen, I'm asking you to do something today that's going to be so hard. You can't even imagine how hard it is for for you to think. If you walk out of this place and you suddenly start saying, I'm going to live by the law of the land so that I can enter into a lawless life of righteousness... You can't imagine how difficult that's going to be when you walk out of here. How many times are 90% of the people in here going to be hitting their brakes today? (laughs) Tuffy Muffler, brake shop, is going to love me for preaching this message. But in how many ways, when you walk out of here, you have opportunity I have opportunity. Lawless living is our provision. Lawlessness in the natural is what we've accepted. But not the provision. Let's live so that we're honoring the Father. We have received that redeeming power of the second Adam to such a great extent that we have really receive the revelation of what the second Adam came to do. We receive and we grasp, we lay hold of that revelation. So Stand with me. So much, it fills us so much that our passion, it is easy to do the natural right because we know the spiritual life that it will lead to. Do you hear me today? Father, I lift my voice over the men and the women in this house, and I pray for those that are watching online, those that are present, those that are listening, however they might be a part of what we're doing today. I pray for every man and woman. There are people that are out there today that are not part of this house that should be. We're calling you out today. We're inviting you to come and be a part of what we're doing. There are people who have left because you were mad at me. I said something like I said today that made you mad or whatever I'd call it, whatever. I'm telling you today, we welcome you home. Come home, come home. Just come home. Stop fighting it. Just come on home. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, we open our arms to you. In this community, Father, there are people that are looking for truth. We are positioning ourselves to be a people that will walk with them wherever they are. We're not expecting people to be perfect. We just help, we're just excited to be able to help one another be perfected in your glory and in your name and through your anointing. So today I lift my voice and I pray over this people. May we see what you're showing us today. I hope and pray that none of us kept our eyes closed while I was talking today. We kept our eyes wide open, not those in, the, in, our, in, our, in sockets in our skull, 
but the eyes of our spirit. We kept them wide open today so that we could see what you want to show us and change us. There's a promise of lawless living. Lawlessness is a good thing when we get to it the right way. Be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Love you.